0: was ever a heavyweight champion of all hymns, if there was ever a Michael Jordan of any hymn, it is amazing grace, right? So we have been in a series, and are currently in a series called Songs of Yesterday, and in Songs of Yesterday, we've looked at some of the most popular worship songs, worship hymns, and we've looked at some of the stories Uh, Behind them, some of the theology within them, and what we found is that the more we understand the story behind it, the more we understand um, how how the Bible informs the words that are written. It changes the way that we sing it, and if it changes the way that we sing these songs, it changes the way that we worship. Right? And there's probably no other hymn whose story is probably more well known. ...than the story of Amazing Grace and John Newton, okay? So let me introduce you to John Newton if you don't know much about him. John Newton had a difficult, uh, difficult time growing up. His mother passed away when John was six. And in his late teens, early 20s, he decided to join the British Royal Navy... ...and went as so far to desert uh, the Navy whenever he was in his 20s. And uh, while, uh, while captaining a ship, he was once abandoned by his crew in west africa and he was forced to be a servant uh... to a slave trader but was eventually rescued from that uh... from that servitude okay so on his return voyage to england came okay, from west africa back to england a violent storm a very violent storm uh... hit and almost sank his ship and this this prompting uh, began sort of this spiritual formation this spiritual journey for Newton, he prayed that if God would rescue from this, he would, he would give his life to the Lord. And that's exactly what happened, is that um, John Newton became a, a Christian in that moment, or at least began his steps towards that. And we would probably already think like, okay, this is probably the moment in his life that everything changed. Well, not exactly, at least not 100%. Uh, but because on his return, once he made it back to England, he became a slave ship master, Right? So not quite there yet, still, still some, some gaps that we need to fill. But he became master captain of a slave ship, uh, a profession in which he actually would continue to serve for years. So he would bring slaves from Africa to England... Uh, over the course of many years and admitted later in, in some of his testimonies and some of his writings uh, some of the incredibly cruel ways that he treated some of those slaves. Like if you think about how, how we view slavery today and, and just how ugly that looks and just how, how much of a dark picture. I think there's a lot of films that have contributed to just some of the atrocities of slavery. Um, many slaves would never make it uh, on the boat ride, like from Africa to the Americas, from Africa to England, there was a great percentage that would actually lose their life. And so this is the kind of world that John Newton lived in. Okay? And so in but in 1754, he became very ill, once again became, be, became very sick on one of his sea voyages, and he abandoned his life as a slave trader. He, he abandoned the slave trade altogether, quit sailing, wholeheartedly gave his life to the Lord and to the service of the Lord. So he became an Anglican priest okay, in 1764, and he became a very popular preacher. In fact, and um, it, history tells us that he wrote over 280 different hymns. right? So that goes to show you that 279 might fail, but if you find just that one banger that just lights up the charts, that's all you need. Right? Um, Ice Ice Baby paid Vanilla Ice for a very long time. Okay? Lots, still making money off that song. So that's John Newton's situation. So in later years, Newton would, would fight alongside William Wilberforce, a leader of the parliamentary campaign, to abolish the slave trade. Amazing Grace, interestingly, interestingly enough, was not the original title of this hymn. The original title was Faith's Review and Expectation. Like, that's a horrible name for a song. Like, that's the kind of name that would get you thrown in a trash can in high school and get wedgies all day long. Like, horrible name for a song, Faith, Review, and Expectation. Amazing Grace, Better Choice. Okay, so knowing knowing the story of John Newton as a slave trader, knowing how he treated people, the, the profession that he was in, it sort of changes the way that we read the words to the song. It changes the way that we read this song that that this man is declaring how amazing grace truly is because God has saved someone like him. God has saved a, a monster, right, like John Newton. And so we often sing this song, Amazing Grace. A good question that we should ask ourselves is what is so amazing about grace? Like what what makes it so so great? And this is actually the title of, of a very popular book, probably a book that I would rank in the top ten. A man named Phil Yancey wrote, What's so amazing about grace? If you've never read it, I recommend it. I think he's actually doing a re-release of it, a more updated version, but we sing about how how amazing grace is. What is grace exactly? Like, what, when, we, when we hear grace, what do we think of? We, we may hear grace and think of a young woman walking through those back doors and just floating around the room so elegantly. You guys like how I did that? Like, we would say that she has a grace about her, that she has grace, okay? We also, when we sit down to eat our meals, we hold hands and we say the blessing. We say grace, right? But the way that God defines grace, right? How God defines grace in his word is that grace is the free and unmerited favor of God. And that manifests itself in the salvation of sinners and the giving of blessing, right? So to simplify it, okay, God's grace is something that saves us and blesses us, right? So Romans 3, verse 23 and 24 summarizes this well, okay? It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His, what? His grace as a gift. It is a free gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So the the free gift of His grace, His grace redeems us, His grace pardons us, His grace saves us from an eternity separate from him and it confirms for us a place to live with him in heaven. Okay, So in other words, we are not saved by anything that we do. It doesn't matter if you're a good guy. It doesn't matter if you're a sweet lady. Isaiah 64 actually says that our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. So that means even on our best day, Like our absolute best day. Like we might have lived 50 years of life and we've had one day where we killed it more than anything else for the Lord. Even on that day, your righteousness apart from Christ is like filthy rags. I don't know how many of you, I'm sure you've you've worked on a project where you've used rags to clean things up. Maybe you've painted something and you'll get a little bit of paint on it. You can wipe that out. Most of the time we'll kind of rinse those things out. But sometimes we have a job where we're kind of cleaning things up Maybe we're wiping around a toilet. Maybe we're wiping kind of the inside of like our car rims or something. And we take a look at that rag and we think, I'm not going to clean this out. I'm going to throw this away. Okay, that is, that is our righteousness, like a filthy rag. It's like, praise God for the invention of the disposable diaper. Amen? Right. Okay? We don't need to wash that out. So, so that, is, that is what our righteousness is on our own. Okay, and some liken sin, some liken our sin to a, a sickness, that, that we're sick and that we need uh, to be healed. That, that's true to an extent, but Ephesians 2.1 says that we are dead in our trespasses. And everybody knows there's a difference between being sick and being dead, right? Like when you're sick, like you can call in some meds, you can call the, pharmacy, call the pharmacist, like eat the brat's diet, right? Was that, banana rice, apples, toast? Did I get that right? Did I mix that up? I missed one. That's okay. Right? So you, there's some things that you can do okay, when you're sick. Herbal tea. But when you're dead, none of that's going to help. Like the brass diet isn't going to help you. Okay? Getting a shot of adrenaline when you're dead isn't going to help you at all. Okay? So it is, it is the grace of God that when we were dead in our sins, the grace of Jesus Christ brought us back to life. Okay? Grace is a free gift from the Lord. So that definition by itself is amazing. Right? That definition of grace secures our future, right? secures our future for eternity. That grace is sufficient for our salvation, right? and that news is what is considered the gospel. Like We kind of hear the term gospel a lot. The gospel sometimes has kind of come to mean a lot of different things, but the gospel basically means good news. It's the good news that Jesus has died on the cross for our sins. It is a free gift from him. That is grace. That is the gospel. So, the cool thing about grace is that it does far more than just save us. Like it does far more than just give us salvation. Um, Grace actually has is a multifunctional, multi-purpose type thing. Okay, And, and as you look through the scriptures, you can see lots of different examples of what grace can do. Like earlier this week, I posted uh, a passage from 1 Peter chapter 5, and it speaks to things that, that grace does. And what I, what I likened it to is a can of WD-40. okay? Because if you've ever used WD-40, you know that it has tons of uses, right? Now, you see this image up on the screen. I, I, sent, I sent this idea into uh, the top-notch graphic department that we have here at Bersheba, and they said, Justin, we will get on it, uh, they spent day and night, labored for day and night uh, on Microsoft Paint, and, uh, and we got this can of Grace Fix. But if, you, if you've ever used WD-40, you know that it's got multiple uses, right? So, for example, WD-40 gives floors that just wax sheen, keeps bathroom mirrors from fogging, keeps locks from freezing, protects silver from tarnishing, removes glue from fingers, removes splattered grease from stoves, removes lipstick stains, Loosens stubborn zippers, untangles jewelry chains, removes stains from stainless steel sinks, <gasps> kills weeds, removes road tar, grime from cars, keeps scissors working smoothly. You get the idea. Like there's just hundreds of uses for WD-40. It serves so many purposes, as does the grace of God in our lives, right? And so we can even get into the lyrics of John Newton and you hear John Newton talk about grace in different ways okay so in the very first verse okay reads this way amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me and we know how much of a wretch he was right i once was lost but now i'm found was blind but now i see right he speaks of of grace saving him that it is this is exactly what we're talking about grace is sufficient for your salvation grace opened his eyes to the beauty of his salvation, okay? He was lost, but now he's been found. He was blind, but now he sees, right? And in the second verse, he says this. He says, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed.'" And so what is grace doing here? Grace not only saves, but grace teaches us Grace teaches us so many different things. Grace teaches his heart to fear. And we often sort of correlate fear with a bad thing, like that we shouldn't have fears, that the Lord doesn't necessarily want us to fear anything. But that's not true. There, there are good things that we, should, that we should teach our kids to fear. There are some certain things that we should fear. It, it is a good and right thing for me as a loving father uh, to teach my kids to fear a busy street, right? Right? looking out for cars. It's good and right for me as a dad to teach teach my kids to fear electricity and that you don't need to take a butter knife and put it in the socket, right? It is good for me to teach my kids to fear don't climb up over the walls at the zoo and slap a lion in the face. Like that's good for me to teach them not to do those things, okay? And so grace teaches us, right, uh, our our proper place. Uh, who the Lord is, right? The wisdom of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the awe of the Lord. And when we discover that, when we discover our place with him, all of those other fears, by grace, are what? They're relieved, right? And how precious did that grace appear the hour that I first believed? Grace is, is timely and it is sudden. Okay, Grace is what you need from the Lord when you need it right Grace is a beautiful thing, verse three. He says, "Through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home." So through life's journeys, through good times, hard times, ups and downs, moments that you get the job, moments that you get fired, when he breaks your heart, when she gets the diagnosis when you, you can't sleep because you're consumed and worried, thinking about what tomorrow may bring, it is the grace of God that has brought you this far. And it is his grace that will lead you home. Right? And we'll talk more about this in a minute. But in the passage that, that I posted, just you see the functions of grace here with Newton. Um, but even in the passage that I want to read to you in First Peter uh, chapter 5, I, I want us to look at some of the other functions of grace. And there's a lot of different times. The Bible does this in multiple places where it'll give you sort of this list of, of here's some things that, that God does and, here's, and some of them can sometimes look very similar to us. Um, but but here's, here's what First Peter says. Verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 10. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself... Everybody say himself. Okay? Not a volunteer, not an assistant, um, not his cousin's boyfriend who's looking for a job, but God will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Right, so again, we see just the the, the multifunctional, multipurpose purpose of God's grace, and so I want us to focus on these four words. Okay, these are these are WD forty words here: restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish. And I tried to think of a metaphor that I thought would be helpful for us. So I'm just going to take a stab at this. Okay, um, I want you to imagine for a minute that you are a a car in a junkyard. Okay. Now, I'm sure over, I know over the history of men and women, uh, we have often compared ourselves to vehicles, and there's some jokes to be made there. But I want you to imagine for a minute that you're just this rusted out, old vehicle in the junkyard, um, parts missing, leaking oil, rust, all of those different things. The grace of God restores you. When you restore a car, There's a lot of different steps that you take, right? I'm no pro at this, but whatever's there, you pretty much have to gut it. The battery's there, you gotta pull that out, you gotta pull out the brake lines, pull out the fuel lines, probably pull out the motor, get rid of all the rust there. But but what his grace does is he restores you and he brings you back to life, right? He restores you back to right relationship with him, right? This is our salvation, all right? You are a fully restored road machine, right, that was left for the junkyard, meant to rot, but restored in Christ, right? So that is, that is the first thing that we see grace doing there, that grace restores, okay? So if we, if we take this metaphor a step further, God also confirms. He strength, he, he restores, and He confirms. So not only does Jesus restore, but He also says that you are drive-worthy, right, that you are roadworthy, that because of what I've done in your life, I say that you have what it takes, right, and some of us need to hear that, like some of us, we, yes, we believe that God has restored us, but we don't necessarily b- believe and feel that Jesus has vouched for us, okay, uh, I've been, many of you know this, I've been doing student ministry for the last uh, 10 years or so, and it, part of that job is that many students would come to you looking for a letter of recommendation. And you've probably been in the situation where there's plenty of kids that you could easily write a letter of recommendation for. You know what I'm talking about. And then there's that one or two or three or four that you're just like, please don't ask me to write you a letter of recommendation. I don't think I could say anything nice. Right? Like sometimes we feel that way about, about Jesus. That, that yes, Jesus loves us. That we are his student. But, but what Jesus does and what the grace of God does in your life is it confirms you and it says, I will put my name next to yours. I will write you. I, as Jesus, your Lord, will write you a letter of recommendation. So his grace says that you are worthy, that you are loved. I confirm you with my grace. So his grace restores. His grace, his grace confirms. His grace also strengthens. Right so how would you how would you strengthen a car that you just restored Right how how do you how do you maintain the strength you just basically keep up maintenance right you you rotate the tires you change the oil you change the filters like you do maintenance on the vehicle as you go and and as John Newton wrote the lyrics to Amazing Grace he, he talked about dangers through many dangers toils and snares through the hardness of life It is grace that sustains you and sustains me. It is grace that's brought us this far, and it's grace that will lead us to the end. And and I don't know how many of you, like right at this moment, like you're feeling it right now, that you're thinking to yourself, I can't do this anymore. Like whatever's happening in your life, you've grinded it out. You've made it this far. Yes, the Lord has brought you this far. But there's just this feeling inside of you that's like, I I don't have the heart to do this anymore. I don't have the energy to do this anymore. God has shown me His grace up to this point. But it just takes a ton of energy to, to trust that He will carry us through. And in fact, it is His grace that gives that. It is His grace that strengthens you. God always has something up His sleeve. And His sleeves are long right that is the grace that he gives it restores it confirms it strengthens and the last point that i want to make is that his grace establishes you his grace establishes you how many of you remember from your high school days some of us have to think back a little further than others but but you know you kind of knew people by what they drove right like you you kind of knew what your friends drove and like some of what your friends drove was, was really nice, way nicer than what you had. Some of it was kind of middle-of-the-road average. Some of it was, was a clunker. But, but we often know people by what they drive, right? That's true of high school, and that's true of today as well. And so um, I was born in 1982, so you do the math there. But what I drove in high school, I drove an 84 Chevy Blazer that was baby blue. It was, the, it was when they were built sort of like the old Ford Broncos, except the Blazers didn't have the wheel uh, mount on the back. And so there weren't, there weren't any Chevy Blazers, 84 Chevy Blazers at my high school but mine. And so when people would see me coming down the road, they would know that it's me, right? They may ask my dad later if they sold that vehicle to a maniac and I would say, no, it was just me. I, I'm driving it. But, but it was very common for people to be identified by what they drove. And so I would see you know a four-screen forerunner, and I know that that would be my friend Jason. I would see a Buick, and I would know that that's my friend Blake. I would see an old minivan that was my friend David. And so um, the God who restores you, the God who confirms you, the God who strengthens you will, will set you apart and will establish you. And, and when you live a life that finds rest and peace in his grace, God establishes you and sets you apart. And when people see you, people will know that that, that person, that that man, that that woman, is, is a vessel of God's grace, that that person will stand before God and before men, uh, giving testimony to the grace of God in their lives, proclaiming who God is. And so, let me, let me end with this. Um, Amazing Grace is one of those rare songs that um, has managed to transcend both believers and non-believers. Like it might be the only hymn that's sung outside of the church more than inside of the church. And and it's, play, it's played at funerals, people sing it at concerts. Um, hundreds of artists have recorded Amazing Grace from country music, uh, artists, hip-hop artists, rock and roll, you, you name it. Like all over the place. Even artists that aren't Christians have have basically recorded this song and put it on some album, um, and you see this a lot at Christmas time too. Like a lot of people who you don't necessarily think should be singing Christmas music. It's like "Mary, did you know?" It's like, "Yeah, dude, Mary knew, right?" Do you know Jesus at all? And so this actually used to bother me. I, I don't know if this has ever bothered you. Just like, what business do these people have, like in singing these songs? And so one night I was I was thinking about this. And, and I felt the Lord speak to me, like not, it wasn't an audible thing, it was just sort of one of those speaking to my heads and, and my heart. Um, I, I felt the Lord ask me, if if those people aren't worthy to sing it, who is? And I said, I guess no one. <laughs> so so again, the Lord puts me in my place, and, and that's the point, isn't it? Is that none of us are worthy of the grace that's been so freely given to us, and and whether, whether you're lost, whether you've been found, whether you're, you're blind or whether you can see, it is grace that has freely been given to us. And John Newton was not worthy to sing this song, uh, let alone write the song. Um, but it is this song. This song is about a beautiful Savior, the beautiful grace that he gives. And he offers broken, desperate people like me, like you, like, like the slave trader who wrote it, offers us grace to rescue us from sin and shame uh, by, his, by the grace of Jesus Christ. And so I want to invite you just to bow your heads for a moment. And, and in a moment for our, our song of response, we're going to sing Amazing Grace. And, and as, we, as we talk about the grace of God, if, if you've never made that decision to receive the free gift from jesus like if you never made that decision on your own and today you would like today to be the day that you make that decision you, you would like to to stamp november 5th 2023 as the day that you gave your life to christ and that you received the free gift of his grace if you would like to do that this morning with, with heads bowed i'd just like for you to lift your hand like if that's something that you've never done i want to give you the opportunity to do that okay Amen. So let's pray and let's, uh, let's lift our voices and sing of his amazing grace. Father, we thank you for this grace. We thank you that your grace does not just save and leave us. We thank you that your grace does not just uh, give us a, uh, a head start and sort of get us on our way, uh, leaving us to fend for ourselves later. But God, your grace restores us back to you. Your grace confirms who we are in you. Your grace strengthens us to the very end, and your grace establishes us, right? That, that we may stand before you and before men um, proclaiming the grace that you have given us, Father. And so we celebrate that this morning. Uh, God, may we walk in that grace. May we... May we uh, be able to put our hands around this grace and may we ask you for this grace when we need it and, and may you fill our lives with it as we pursue you and as we live the lives that you have called us to live. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.